It's my pleasure to have you join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com, where you go to get all the bargains. Speaking of getting a bargain, coming up in a few minutes, a story that proves the customer is not always right. Today's Clark Rageous Moment, some people are being charged with running a theft ring from an online retailer, and the retailer was really generous, and it turned out that criminals figured out how to exploit that. I'll tell you about that in a few minutes. And speaking of being exploited, the banks are at it again. ATM fees are in the stratosphere now. That's why I want you to find a new bank during our Switch Ditch Save campaign. I'm going to fill you coming up later. Uh, The Equifax CEO is testifying before one of his show trials today in front of a U.S. House committee, and it's now the former CEO, Richard Smith, and he has stayed strong before the committee. He has not crumbled. The committee members are grandstanding and they are trying to show that they are there for you and me, finally. But the answers are illuminating. There's a lot you need to know. First, in advance of today's hearing, Equifax disclosed that the breach was larger than they thought. They've just added another 2.5 million people to the breach. So now 145.5 million Americans at great risk with your social security number exposed in a way that you are potentially subject to various levels and forms of identity theft for the rest of your life. So what was Mr. Smith's answer to that? He said, well, we need to come up with a new system and not use social security numbers anymore for people. Okay, (laughs) I don't know who the should is and how that gets done, but the point is the system we use today is irretrievably broken because of the various data breaches we've had over the years, but this was the one that put it over the top and created such intense vulnerability for you and me as consumers. He was asked a little while ago about the arbitration clauses that Equifax uses in all its services, services, what an unusual word to use for a company that spies on us, packages our information in dossiers, looks at us as data points, is contemptuous of us, continually sells off the information we don't even know they have on us. He defended the right for you to not be able to sue them because it was standard practice. I can give you the exact quote, but it's not even important to give the exact quote, but I will. When he was asked why arbitration was mandatory and that consumers had no redress, he said, I don't have an answer for that. It's a standard clause. What have you been doing since July? Have you not been able to think about why you mistreat people so much? And speaking of which... As you may be aware, 
The very day the Equifax breach was disclosed was the same day Equifax's buddies they've given all that money to on the U- in the U.S. House committees that oversee the credit bureaus were trying to put through legislation that would give the credit bureaus blanket immunity, blanket immunity from any negligence that caused harm to consumers. And by the way, that's not dead yet in the House. It's just not being considered at this time. So the thing is, if I worked in the people's house as one of your elected representatives, I would be proposing legislation that would do some very specific things. That, number one, you would have the right to control your own information. And if you didn't want Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian building the dossiers on you, creating the risk for you of identity theft, selling off your information over and over again, that you would be able to tell them they can't do that, that they cannot have a dossier on you, that they are shut down. I would also make credit freezes free across all the bureaus. Why are you having to pay to reduce a vulnerability that you face because of their incompetence and gross negligence at Equifax? And why is it that you have to pay to see your credit report more than once in a year? Why is it that you have to pay to see your credit scores? So these people are building dossiers on you that they sell again and again. Why are you having to pay to see how they're spying on you without your permission? This system is broken, and it's broken ultimately because of the corruption in Washington where the congressman that are there to represent you and me, your individual congressman, your two individual senators, they think they're there to get money lining their pockets from whoever will come and pay them money. That's where the real problem is. Where is the attempt to rein in these rogue companies? And can you imagine the arrogance that Equifax was trying to get an immunity bill through while they were sitting on the fact that they had blown it and that the personal information deep on 145.5 million Americans, nearly two out of three adults with a credit file, was out there with your social, your date of birth, your current address, prior addresses, many people, your driver's license, all this information out there, others, your credit card numbers. This is a national scandal on several levels. But you know, I believe that if you look to who is most at fault here, it is your individual congressman and your two senators who to this moment still other than grandstanding for the cameras, have not come up with anything to actually do something to protect the American people from the abuses of these data miners like Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. That you and I remain exposed like that. And that's wrong. That is wrong. And I'm going to keep making noise about it 
because the fix is in. They're going to do these hearings, they're going to have a lot of sound and fury, and then they hope it goes quiet. But I am not going quietly into the night. And if you're going to abuse the American people, there should be consequences of it. When I say abuse, I'm not talking about Equifax. I'm talking about you, you congressman, you senator. You took an oath. And in that oath, you were there to serve the American people, not companies that have no loyalty to country or to people. In Equifax, get your act together. Do you know every single day in our off-air center, we can call for advice nine hours a day, call after call after call comes in where people can't reach anybody at Equifax. I'm running a free service here where you can call in and get free off-the-air advice. We answer the phone. You call these clowns and you can't reach anybody at Equifax? Shame. Shame on you. Okay, now, Joe, I'm about to talk to you. I'm going to take a deep breath right from the diaphragm. I'm going to breathe deep. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to get rid of that negative energy. I'm ready. Okay, Joe, make my day brighter. How are you? Good. How about you? Great. Thank you, Joe. How can I be of service to you? So I'm thinking about refining my house. And, um, but my big question is, is it ever a good idea to refi your house if your mortgage interest rate will go up? Um, I currently owe about, keep the numbers around 250,000. I have an FHA loan with a mega bank that's at 3.75%. And I'm at 25 years or so left on that. And I do pay PMI on it. Actually, you pay, Um, if it's FHA, you're paying something called MIP. Yeah, and and yeah, it never yeah. goes away where PMI, after a certain period of time, and once you develop enough equity, you can remove the PMI, but with an FHA loan, that's a forever. Well, so I got in actually um, a few months before they went to that, so I actually can get rid of the PMI once I get to the 78% of the, the um, uh, loan value. Oh, well, that's great. So, but, so... That will take me about nine more years based on just paying as is um, with the mortgage. So the new rate that I would get would be 4.375. It would go back to a 30-year, and I would get rid of the PMI, and it would save me about another $20 or so a month. Definitely don't do it. Definitely don't do it. Definitely don't do it because – you have you said you've paid four years on the loan already? Uh, yeah, closer to five. All right, so you're nearly five years in. You go back into a new 30, you're creating an enormous additional liability. If you figure out that you are going to pay nearly five years of additional payments, almost equal to what you pay now in mortgage plus with the mortgage insurance that will at some point go away, that would not be a good deal for you. Okay. Now, would it matter at all if I was planning on potentially not staying in the house? No. Okay. No, because you're re-amortizing the loan. You're basically starting over. You're reducing how much your principal would go down each month. And so I would not consider that. 
Okay. And especially if you're not going to stay around a long time to refi into a higher rate and have closing costs on top of it that you may not be able to recover in the time period you might want to remain in the home. Uh, I would say there's like uh, there's several reasons why you don't want to go that direction. Now, would it change your mind at all if I told you there was no closing cost? It would not change my mind because the savings of only $20 a month doesn't make it worth it for you to go into what is a higher rate and five additional years of debt. Yeah, the total savings is about $259 a month, but it's only $20 off the regular payment. The rest of it is the loss of the PMI going to a conventional loan. You lost me there. So So you're saying that... the total monthly savings is two hundred and fifty nine dollars a month off of uh, if I go. Oh, 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 oh! But that's not true savings, because remember no, you're reamortizing a loan. Think of it as if you have a twenty five year loan right now. Yep. And you're going into a new thirty year loan, just because it has the appearance of a lower payment. It's not really, because you've added an additional twenty percent of time to your loan amortization. Okay, gotcha. So this is just, uh, I can't think of a circumstance where what you're saying would make sense. And it's good that you found one that's a no closing cost, but it still doesn't make these numbers work for you to do this particular switcheroo. I love it when businesses offer just very generous return policies. And I've always said that in business, you should have your policies that you deal with with consumers set up for the 97% of consumers that are good, decent, and honest instead of for the 3% that will take advantage. But man, some people will really take advantage. The consumer is not always right, as you'll hear in today's Clark Rage. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Rages moment. This is a crazy story. A couple from Indiana managed to steal $1.2 million worth of electronics goods by taking advantage of Amazon. Consumerist reports that what this couple was doing, and they're going to go to prison for hard time, thank goodness, is Amazon has an extremely trusting liberal policy when you get something that you say doesn't work or is defective or whatever a lot of times they don't even want the item back they just send you a new one or give you your money back so this couple kept creating different aliases different identities and would buy things expensive electronics items over and over again and either con amazon into giving them another one free or giving them their money back And they would then sell the merchandise, and they were getting things like uh, fancy smartwatches, tablets, GoPros, any of a number of electronics, and then they'd turn around and they'd sell them. And their net was $1.2 million. The couple now faces up to 20 years in the slammer, and they're supposed to pay Amazon back. Well, $1.218 million, where's that going to come from? 
I guess they'll come up with some kind of con in prison and steal it for people while they're in prison, pay it back. But the thing is that it's just terrible that somebody did that. But I would point out at the same time, don't think this is some crime you can get away with. And know that Amazon, in my mind, in my belief, is doing the right thing even if occasionally somebody takes advantage of them. There are other retailers that have extremely generous return policies. Costco Wholesale, to name one, that lets you return most anything they sell without conditions forever except electronics, which is 90 days, no questions asked. And they get burned occasionally. So what? It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, clark.com slash ask. So we go to ask me a question. You also can get your questions answered off the air 45 hours each week. That's a free service of our show. You can see how to call in the number, the hours, all the details to talk with a member of Team Clark on clark.com. Scroll down that main page, left-hand side. You'll see the key details. We are in the midst of our annual Switch, Ditch, and Save our guide to you banking better, smarter, and cheaper. And it's ironic, right in the midst of Switch, Ditch, and Save, a new report came out about how much the banks are charging in ATM fees, hitting a new record high, according to a survey released by Bankrate.com. Banks looking for every possible way to fee you to death, and then at the same time, cheat you on your savings. As banks are earning a decent amount of money on their money, they are turning around, particularly the giant monster megas, paying you one one one-hundredth of one percent. At the same time, there are others paying you right now about 1.3 percent. And by the way, the interest rates paid by uh, credit unions and banks that are offering decent rates on savings are headed steadily higher likely this year and next as the Federal Reserve stops trying to uh, lower interest rates and the Federal Reserve is going through a process that's often referred to as taper. It means that the interest rates you can earn on your savings are on their way up except at the big banks where they take advantage of your loyalty. So Switch, Ditch, and Save is all about you not sitting there being taken advantage of. You know, the four giant monster megabanks have a little bit more than half of the bank customers in the country. If you followed yesterday's advice, you have already gone through the steps of opening an account at a new bank, new credit union, or an online bank. And today... I've got steps for you how to change your direct deposit to make that ultra easy. And day by day, I'm going to walk you through at Clark.com on our Switch, Ditch, and Save guide, which you get to by going to Clark.com slash ClarkYourBank. You know, in England, they have a system where you can easily switch from one bank to another And if you've got direct deposits, you've got bill pays and all that, it's portable. 
So if you switch from bank A to bank B to bank C, the stuff moves automatically. You just open an account at the new institution. It's just like cell phone portability. You may remember years ago, and if you don't, let me tell you how it worked. Your cell phone company forever controlled your number. And so if you didn't want to lose your number and lose touch with people, you were their prisoner. The second cell phone portability came into play, where your number moved typically in under 20 minutes from one company to another. Now it's usually 30 seconds that it moves from one company to another. The price of cell phone service has since dropped 90%, 90% since cell phone number portability came into being. The banks are terrified of people being able to say, well, you know, you're treating me like dirt. I'm just going to go in there and then, bam, the next day, everything that you have set up just moves. But we have not followed the British path. We don't have account portability. So what I've tried to do is make it as easy as possible for you to get through the roadblocks that your bank is trying to keep you prisoner with and move your money to someone that will treat you better. Because it's just a fact that the biggest banks in the country want to see you as just a checkbook walking in the door. Someone that they can charge money to, not pay money to. And it's up to you. It's your money. It's your choice. You know I love credit unions. But in recent years, you know, I've talked a lot about the value of the online banks. They have no normal overhead, no branch networks. And reality is people under 40 don't care about branch networks. And that's because they're used to doing everything on their phones And going to deal with a human is like, why would anybody do that? So if you are of that mind, regardless of your age, and you're still doing business with one of the four giant monsters, Wells Fargo, Chase, Citibank, Bank of America, you're wasting money. And they're charging you money in so many different ways. Even if supposedly everything's free, There's opportunity cost and what they don't pay you on your savings and the things they don't do for you, you can do otherwise. If you have a good amount of money, you should, instead of looking at any of those choices, look at moving your money to a brokerage. The brokerages specifically are set up to offer great deals to people who move all their quote-unquote banking to a brokerage. As an example, at Charles Schwab, those ATM fees have just hit a record nationally. You never pay an ATM fee if you have your checking account at Schwab. And they have the credit cards with the big rewards. I think theirs are not 2%. Fidelity Investments, though, 2% cash back. Every penny you pay on a credit card, every, every dollar you charge on a credit card, you get 2% back. So the best bank for you, if you got some bucks, isn't a bank at all. It's going to be a brokerage. But it's up to you to make the smart choices and don't just be a creature of habit. James joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, James. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, James. 
you want to talk about uh, something that is very much on my mind right now. Yes, I do. And I've followed you for a long time, but what I want to do is ask you some advice that might be a little off track from what you normally suggest. Let's hear. All right. I'm a senior citizen, and I've followed your advice. I've driven most of my cars eight to ten years before I've gotten rid of them. At this point in my life, though, I would like to have a new car. One of the things I would like to have is the new technology, the automatic braking, the cruise control, the mirrors, everything that they have going. Being a senior citizen, I'm not sure how long I'm going to need a car. So I'm thinking about leasing a car only for that reason that I could drive it for two or three years. The new technology may even improve from where it is today, and I could then get another car and hopefully live long enough to enjoy two or three cars. That's my, my thought process. So when you think about it that way, you're taking me out of my normal dollars and cents mode, and you're asking me more a lifestyle question. And, and that's why I wanted to ask you this question. So if, I mean, the, as I've said in the past, the there's only two circumstances that leasing makes sense, and you qualified for one of them with what you said, and that's when you like new wheels every two or three years. So with the you bring up such a valid point with how quick the technology cycle is right now. And, you know, there are cars you can buy right now that will do the steering for you, the braking for you. They do um, the automatic speed control for you. And one automaker, Tesla, has a technology where it passes cars for you. And so this stuff is going to change more in the next five years than it has in the last 50. So at, at the age you're at and with the advantage that the driver assist technologies have with the emergency automatic braking and all that, um, not everything in life is about money. So I think that you have a perfect situation where it makes sense to lease a vehicle for either two or three years that has all those bells and whistles on it. What are you thinking of getting, James? I'm not sure. I'm thinking at um, maybe a mid-car, um, mid, mid, mid-style car, but what I do want is the high-level safety stuff on it. Right. The things that you've talked about. Now, I'm not going into the Tesla, Tesla level of car, but a, a nice mid-level sedan. Okay. Well, and and uh, each automaker is taking a different series of strategies on the safety features that come in them. Toyota has come up with a suite of safety features that is standard on many of many or all of their 2018s. I forget which, and each automaker has a different path. Somewhere they offer some of these things on specific models. Somewhere you have to pay or whatever of the advanced safety features you get. So take your time to really, because uh, you're going to get confused at first. This one offers these two, and this one offers these four. This one offers these three things to find the one that really deals with the safety issues that you're specifically interested in. But 
I would say if in your case you want a lease, go for it. Dennis is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Dennis? Hello, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. You are in a position where you sometime soon are going to be able to own your home free and clear. Is that true? That's correct. Since my retirement from the military, we've been trying to pay extra each month so we can pay off our mortgage. Well, first things first, thank you so much for your service to our country. Oh, you're welcome. Which branch of the military did you service in? I retired out of the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard, which is a serious, difficult duty these days. Yes, with the recent hurricanes, it's, it's pretty treacherous out there. And, and the drug gangs running along the coasts and stuff? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, well, thank you for what you've done for us. Well, thank you. My question was, in conversation with uh, relatives last week, we were told that if you pay off your mortgage, that your insurance provider will more than likely cancel your coverage. I I imagine you have very nice relatives, but they are not correct on this. Okay, that, that's good to know. They're, the uh, insurance company is doing the same job whether you have a mortgage or you don't. You know, the mortgage lender requires that you have homeowner's insurance mm-hmm. to protect their interest in the loan that if your house were to burn to the ground and you don't have insurance then you can just say, ah, well, and walk away. They don't have any security interest of value anymore, and that's why they require you to have homeowner's insurance. But the uh, homeowner's insurance industry is generally a profitable industry, and they want to insure your home. But there are a couple of things I would do once you pay off your mortgage, and one of them is to step up your deductible on your homeowner's. All right, increase the deductible. Right, and that's especially important because uh, I see your calling from the state of Florida is the home you live in in the state of Florida? That's correct. So, you know, Florida has a troubled homeowner's insurance market because (laughs) it rises to a level above sea level, I guess, in about Ocala of about, what, 50 feet above sea level. Otherwise, it's all really low to sea level and the risk to insurers very high. And so it's a difficult market to, to get and keep good insurance. So having a higher deductible where you wouldn't make a routine claim is a very valuable step for you to take. It'll lower the premiums and lower the temptation that you would make what would be considered to be a relatively smaller claim. Because you want to get fired by an insurer, it's not paying off your mortgage, it's making a small claim against your homeowner's insurance. Yes, and so far we've been fortunate enough not to have to do that. Well, that's great. And uh, congratulations to you on getting your mortgage paid off. Okay, well, I do appreciate the advice, and I will make sure my relatives are, are, are uh, updated on this. <laughs> no need to even bring it up with them. Just, <laughs> just let them think what they want to think. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— 
Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. Clark Connor wrote in. He says, Clark, I'm a 17-year-old high school student. I recently received a letter in the mail from an organization stating that I've received an invitation to their program due to academic excellence. The letter is asking me to pay $75 to join their organization, and then I'll be able to apply for their scholarships. It seems a bit fishy. What do you think I should do? So $75 is so much less than I was thinking you were going to say, because usually when I get this call, it is about an organization that says, because of your outstanding achievement, you've been selected for this leadership program, and it's only $2,500. So having to pay anything where you've been selected is automatically a tip-off, and you're right about that. And what I would do is if there's a guidance counselor at your high school, ask the guidance counselor if the particular organization is one that is recognized and is valuable for you in your college applications. All right. Rico says, I'm considering buying life insurance for myself and my wife. I own my own business and she is dependent on the income that it creates. What happens to the money that we invest every month if we live beyond the time frame that the insurance covers? Wonderful question. You go have a party. Because if you buy, let's say, 20-year level term or 30-year level term on each of you, where the benefit stays in force for the next two to three decades, set premium, and you outlive that, that's great because you're still here among us. And so I, I don't look at that as a negative. I look at that as a positive. The advantage of buying level term is you can cover the key time of your working lifetime, the key span of your working lifetime, and you do it at a teensy, tiny premium. I'm telling you, the level term premiums are dirt, dirt cheap, and for 99 point, maybe 5% of people, you are better off in level term insurance than ever in any kind of what's known as permanent insurance, like whole life. All right, Clark. Gabby wanted to let you know. She says, I've been wanting to change insurance companies, and after a segment on your show, I started my quest. I went to two big companies and two independent companies comparing apples to apples. I thought a $30 savings per month was great. However, a small independent insurance company ended up saving me almost $80 a month. Thanks, Clark. $1,000 a year back in her pocket? That's good. $1,000 a year. Think about all the ways that we spend money that just by going out and doing the research, you can save money. The easiest of all that people usually enjoy, not insurance, is all the technology bills you have every month. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, well, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out we work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet 
and they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com.